This summer, prepare for the poorly directed movie adaptation of the young adult phenomenon that isn't about gay vampires. The Hunger Games. In a dystopian future, the rich dress like second-rate Lady Gaga's in cities left over from the Phantom Menace, while the poor struggle for survival in unnecessary shaky cam, but can still somehow afford futuristic projection thingies. One girl must choose between a short, boring, one-dimensional, worthless blonde guy and this much hotter dude. In a world where children are ripped from their families and their parents seem oddly okay with it, she will make the ultimate sacrifice. I volunteer as tribute. And enter a life or death game where competitors learn the deadly arts of lying in rafters, button pressing, playing with balls, and frosting decoration. I used to decorate the cakes down at the bakery. What the hell is this? Peter. Seriously? That is f***ing ridiculous. A girl that will enthrall a nation through her stupid face. Cheap looking CGI fire. And completely emotionless delivery. How do you find shelter? Listen, I told her that I would try to win. How would they change you? A film that forces two actors with no chemistry to awkwardly fall in love. Which would have been... <laughs> Hello, greetings everyone. This is Rico and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, uh, the weekly dose of geeky goodness. And what you just heard there was a little bit of something um, that someone recently uh, posted on the forums that I had no idea about. They're called uh, Honest Trailers uh, or Honest Movie Trailers. There's a group of them on YouTube, and that one was, of course, for the movie adaptation of The Hunger Games. Even though I kind of enjoyed that movie, although I like the book quite a bit better, uh, I, I think they ha they make a lot of good points uh, pretty humorously, too. So anyway, uh, check those out. They've got other ones for things like uh, some of the Batman movies, uh, Prometheus, uh, also Titanic, Twilight, uh, Transformers. Just a lot of uh, fun stuff to watch. So, yes, yeah, search YouTube for Honest Movie Trailers. They also have a little group of Honest Game Trailers for the gamers for things like Mass Effect 3, Diablo 3, and that. So, anyway, uh, just a little side thing. I always like to start off the podcast uh, in recent times with uh, some kind of movie thing or trailer or TV thing. So, uh, yeah, Honest Trailers on YouTube. Very funny stuff. But... That isn't the main topic today, of course. Today's main topic, we're going to get back to Trek. Uh, it seems like we only do a Trek episode about once a month these days, but this week we are going to do uh, an episode of Voyager. I believe uh, Vartok, I think it was, somebody on the forum suggested this. I think it was a Vartok suggestion. Uh, he suggested this episode of Voyager, which is a really good one and a, a great suggestion. This is, uh, it is from season six. It's from Voyager again, of course, which I just said. It is uh, called Blink of an Eye. And I already apologize way up in advance and in front. Uh, I apologize if I refer to this episode anytime during today's podcast uh, by the title Wink of an Eye, uh, which was a TOS episode uh, that had some similarities, actually, in a way to this episode. And I'll tell you a little bit more, actually, about that later on in the podcast. But Blink of an Eye from Season 6 of Voyager. I'm going to play that episode and comment as I watch it uh, and you guys listen along. Uh, that'll be the main topic. Going to talk a little bit about 
uh, some recent TV, uh, some movie stuff, uh, and, uh, you know, the usual geeky topics here on Treks in Sci-Fi. So uh, let's do it. You're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi podcast with Rico Dosti and friends, your weekly dose of geeky goodness. Got my tea, got them all set here on a Sunday morning. A kind of a, it's a not temperature-wise bad outside, about 60 here, but we've had a lot of rain in the last day or so, kind of wet, cloudy now. Uh, I still need to get out and cut my grass at least, well, probably more than one one more time before the end of this season, and the weather has not really been cooperating. So there's your weather report from Michigan. Direct to you, direct to your earbuds or ear pods or whatever you're wearing to listen to this or listening maybe on your iPad or other device, uh, Android devices, whatever. We don't care, really, just as long as you listen to the podcast. And tell your friends. Uh, we're also on Facebook uh, or uh, just go to the website, treksandsci-fi.com. We've got a great forum. Join up there. For a long time, uh, if you're not aware of, I've had the automated uh, sign-up feature on the forum turned off due to bots and all kinds of issues there. So if you do want to uh, get on the forum, just shoot me an email, treksf at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to set you up. Just tell me what kind of username, what username you'd like, and I will set you up on the forum. Or join the Facebook uh, group that we have, Treks and Sci-Fi. Over there, just search uh, Facebook if you're on the Facebook. And really, who isn't? I think there's three people, and one of them is my wife uh, <laughs> that's not on Facebook. But anyway, uh, that's... Uh, I guess kind of the business out of the way. Thanks for the recent donations. Uh, if you feel you'd still like to donate to the podcast for the little yearly annual thing, again, um, just PayPal over any kind of uh, extra couple of dollars you got or whatever in your in your bank uh, or PayPal account to treksf at gmail.com. So, okay, we got all that out of the way. Uh, what's been going on in the last couple of weeks for me? Uh, well, my uh, younger son had an interview out at Microsoft uh, about a a little more than a week ago. We actually found out just in the last couple of days he didn't get a job out there, but it's okay because he's got a, a really good offer from a computer firm in uh, Michigan uh, already, a uh, place that he interned at over the summer. So it's nice to have a backup plan when you go to another interview. I guess uh, Microsoft, you know, he said it was a re- real interesting experience going out there to um, 
Washington and and visiting uh, their campus or whatever you call it. And uh, he enjoyed it. I, I you know, they uh, he, he knows a lot of people actually that have applied it multiple times to get in there. And I don't know if he's still going to do that. I think he'd actually prefer to get in at Google or Amazon, uh, perhaps more than Microsoft. But uh, anyway, so uh, so we were, uh, you know, it's good that he's still got, you know, this other great position here locally. Plus, he knows the job, too. He, he worked there for, you know, like two and a half months over the summer or a little bit more than that, I think, uh, and uh, really enjoyed the people, the job, and it's not as uh, it's not a mega huge company, which is which is kind of nice too. It's a it's still a good size. It's just not anywhere, of course, near the size of a Microsoft or whatever. So maybe that'll be a better situation anyway in the long run to work at to begin with. But not really geeky topics here we're talking about. But okay, let's segue into that. Let's talk a little bit about TV, some of the new TV shows. Well, I've given up on Revolution. I think uh, we've had a pretty good discussion and interesting one on the forum about this new show from J.J. Abrams. I think he's just maybe was one of the creators of the show. I don't really know. It's hard for me to tell these days when people are creators or their name gets slapped on a show how much they're really involved in it. Uh, I doubt he's involved in it much day to day. I might be wrong. Maybe he is. I don't know. I know some of other people that he works with regularly are, were involved with the show too. This is, of course, the show that's on NBC Monday nights here in the States. It's the one about where all the power goes out in the United States. Sorry, not just the United States. I was talking about the when it's showing, and now I said, yeah, it's in the whole world on the show that the power goes out. And it's set about 15 years after that happens. And, you know, they're, it's not terrible. I just am having a lot of trouble getting into the show. There are a few little nitpicky things that I, I, I have a little trouble with, but that isn't the main point of my issues with revolution i'm just not really uh there's no real character on the show or characters that that are really interesting to me or or that i can kind of identify with or that i like that much i think they're all kind of two-dimensional frankly uh and and i know the show's only been on for like four episodes but they're also kind of all nasty for the you know for the most part there there's not some most of them are not very good people for there's a couple that are okay i guess but other than that they're they're really and and maybe because you know civilization has kind of fallen apart maybe everyone turns into a you know nasty people i i don't know but it, it's hard it's hard to watch that kind of a show for me at least i i want to watch a show that maybe has some you know even in a, in a bad situation you've got some people kind of rising up to the challenge and there there are those in this show but I don't know. There's just something about it that's just not grabbing me. It comes down to, and I watch a lot of shows. I try to watch shows as they come out. I, I, I'm not much for watching them two or three years down the road over Netflix. Uh, for one, it, it, most of the information, because I, you know, I stay tuned into this kind of stuff. I learn what happens on the show. And for sci-fi and fantasy type shows, I think that spoils a lot of it. A drama type show, a comedy, I don't think it really matters that much if you learn things about it. Uh, and then watch the show. I don't think that's the main thing, but uh, but these kinds of fantasy and and geeky topics and and things and shows that we watch and that we enjoy, movies and TV. I, I have a f- I just personally don't like to know all the little surprises that are going to take place. Like you know, for example, in Revolution, you know, if since I'm stopping, I mean, eventually they're going to find out, you know, what happened to the power. I mean, it's looking pretty pretty likely and and i don't think there was any much surprise i mean from the very beginning that this isn't just something that just happened that somebody somebody or some people did this uh so that's at least my guess and um so i'm kind of dropping that off my list for right now 
I am enjoying, uh, there actually weren't a lot of new genre type shows this year. I'm watching mostly things that I've watched for a while that have come back. Uh, but there are a couple. Uh, one is Arrow. The, only the first episode, sort of the pilot episode of that, aired on the CW the other night on Wednesday night last week. This is the, uh, I think, from some of the guys that worked on Smallville, and it has that kind of a, a, a sort of a look to it. Uh, but this is about uh, following Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, not played by the same actor uh, that was on Smallville, but a new actor. I don't know his name off the tip of my tongue here or off the top of my head, uh, but uh, he is Oliver Queen. He was sort of stranded on an island for about five years, learned how to basically become uh, a pretty good killing machine. You know, he uses a bow and arrow, you know, better than, uh, you know, anyone you've ever seen before. And, uh, you know, he's back to kind of save his city from all the corruption and fight crime and that. And from the stuff I've seen on the web, it looks like they're going to bring in quite a few of... uh, characters that are have been in the green arrow comics i've read green arrow comics uh, off and on over the years from dc and in, enjoyed those uh, quite a bit i actually like uh, there was a run from oh it was several years ago that i really enjoyed where i think he was a little bit of an older character and i i just kind of like that version of him quite a bit and the art was good at the time i don't remember who were the people working on it then but green arrow uh, interesting character he doesn't really have superpowers he's more like a batman um, but the show is is good. I like the, this this first episode of it. Uh, it's a little grittier and darker than Smallville ever was. Uh, he doesn't seem to. Um, I don't want to spoil anything too much, but he 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 he's a he's a rough guy in terms of how he deals with the bad guys. Not not uh, not a Clark Kent slash Superman type character uh, very much. Uh, so uh, we'll see how this show turns out. Uh, it's only been one episode, but I'm liking it so far. I also recorded on my TiVo. I didn't watch it yet. Uh, Beauty and the Beast with another uh, Smallville connection, Kristen Kruk. Is that how you say her last name? She played Lana on uh, Smallville. She is the lead actress on that show. And it's a sort of a retelling of, uh, of the Beauty and the Beast tale. Uh, she gets saved by the Beast, I guess, in the first episode. And, you know, they become kind of, you know, uh, a team and close. And I don't know exactly what her role was, you know, or it looked like I saw about the first two minutes of the episode because it was right after um, something else I was watching, I think Vampire Diaries. Yeah, which is a good show, by the way, a lot better than other vampire uh, Twilight. Yeah, I'm talking about you. Uh, But the uh, but this Beauty and the Beast, I don't know. I'm I'm a bit uh, hesitant about it a little. I really loved the Ron Perlman, Linda Hamilton version back in the in the 80s that was on. And this one, I'm not so sure about. Uh, I'll give it a, my, you know, the Rico's patented uh, three-episode test and see how what I think about it uh, before I, uh, I give it the, you know, a full look. Um, and the other, it's not exactly a sci-fi sh- new show though that I'm watching that I'm enjoying quite a bit is Last Resort, the this new ABC sub drama on uh, Thursday nights, and that show is uh, is really good. I'm liking it a lot. I, I think the characters are real interesting. Uh, they ha- they have character, you know. They have some things that they believe in and, and are willing to kind of die for to a degree. And uh, it's an interesting show. Uh, and uh, that's about it, I think, for the new stuff. Once Upon a Time is back. That's been good. Big Bang Theory's back. A lot of other shows have come back. Other things that are non-sci-fi that I enjoy, like Castle, uh, is is really good and, and fun. 
but uh, but yeah, and oh, of course, Fringe and Grimm are both back, and uh, I'm enjoying those as well. So uh, I was kind of a little surprised that there weren't more new shows. I mean, the one I'm not watching that's sort of a uh, paranormal, I don't know if you call it that, or a fantasy-type show, that 666 Park Avenue. I think that's on Sunday nights. I, I For some reason, the premise just didn't appeal to me very much. Maybe I'll watch it someday, but uh, that one I haven't started to watch at all. Uh, so that's kind of off my radar for now. Uh, and uh, and then the uh, the fall, whatever you call it, uh, series or season of Doctor Who has, uh, has ended. Uh, and that uh, now we've got, uh, I think, a Christmas special coming, and then the series will be back, or uh, we'll be back in, in 2014 at some point, I think, later in 2014. 2013, what am I talking about? How am I getting so far? I think it's 2013. <laughs> Next year's 2013, right? Of course, the world's going to end in 2012, so we, we don't have much to worry about there. But uh, And if, as far as movies, things that I've seen, uh, the I have seen a couple things. Uh, I, saw, I finally saw that movie, actually, uh, recently. I just finally saw that a- Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, Vampire Killer. Which one was it? Vampire Hunter? I think it was Vampire Hunter, uh, which is based on a book. And it was it was okay. I thought it was a little two-dimensional. I didn't think you really got to know the characters real well. Visually, it was a cool movie, and uh, I still enjoyed watching it, but I, I thought it was just okay, I guess, is all, is all I'd say about that one. Uh, in the uh, I've already talked about Looper, really. If you haven't seen Looper, go see it. It's a great movie. Saw that. Oh, we did see... Uh, a non-sci-fi movie, although with what he does, it's almost fantasy. Uh, uh, Taken 2, saw that last weekend. Enjoyed that. Uh, it was kind of more of the same, more of, you know, somebody's, you know, kidnapped such and such, and now you got to figure out a way to get the bad guys and get out of it and and that. Uh, and that's pretty much the plot in a, in a nutshell. And in about two weeks, we really have a, a cool movie, I think, coming from the Wachowskis, uh, the brother and sister team now uh, of of uh, who worked on the Matrix uh, films, uh, this movie called Cloud Atlas. Uh, you've probably been seeing the previews. Uh, the two biggest stars, I guess, in it are uh, Tom Hanks, Halle Berry, and it's it's sort of set in like three, I think, different time periods. This is based on a book as well, so uh, I I'm gonna I don't know, probably not gonna have time to read the book before I see the film, but I'm very excited and interested to see that movie and see what uh, what that's all about. So um, I think uh, that's about it for that kind of talk. Uh, there, um, there's a couple other little things I'm gonna talk about, but I think I'm gonna take a break first, talk a little bit about Trek maybe, uh, and, and just a couple other little things, and then we'll get into the Voyager episode, Blink of an Eye. Have you ever experienced uncontrollable bouts of geekdom? If so, the Anomaly podcast may be right for you. In clinical studies, Anomaly's interviews, convention reports, commentary on geek culture, games, sci-fi and fantasy television, literature, and film provided a feeling of fullness while promoting health for optimal geekiness. The Anomaly podcast is not suitable for all people. Only geekily active cool chicks with a healthy sense of humor should listen. Geekily active cool guys should listen, too. Anomaly has resulted in sudden fits of squee. Broad smiles may appear without warning and could become permanent. The most common side effects of Anomaly are unconsciously joining in the Gamma Quadrant golf clap, out loud, at work, to the amusement of co-workers, 
and attempting to interject opinions aloud to hosts who can't hear the listener. But in all cases, the benefits outweigh the risks. Ask your anomaly if you're healthy enough for entertainment of this caliber. You don't need a doctor's messy handwriting to obtain a free subscription. Anomaly is available over-the-counter at Stitcher Radio and in the iTunes, Zune, and BlackBerry stores. You can also stream episodes of Anomaly and Anomaly Supplemental at AnomalyPodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y Podcast.com. Just one one-hour episode provides 24 hours of relief and never leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Music by Jewelbeat. I wanted to also, I forgot to say earlier, I should have, but uh, I wanted to say thanks uh, very much to Dave, uh, Dave Kill uh, from the forum, who said in last week did a guest spot on that uh, very cool uh, CGI-filled movie, uh, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Really cool film. Uh, Dave did a great job covering it and uh, really interesting information and everything, and uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, anytime, Dave, you want to cover another movie or TV thing or whatever, uh, definitely uh, let me know, and we'll uh, we'll get you in the schedule. And I'll talk more about the upcoming podcast schedule towards the end of today's show. The uh, a couple things I guess I wanted to talk about on Trek, on the Trek front a little bit. Uh, not a huge amount. Uh, the first one, this happened, I guess, between uh, the time I podcasted last. Yeah, I think this was just about a week ago, maybe a little bit more. J.J. Uh, Abrams came on to, was on the Conan O'Brien show. And uh, he came uh, on the show and he says, hey, I brought a clip from the new movie. And everyone's like freaking out, like, oh my gosh, we're finally going to get some footage or some uh, some look at at the new Star Trek movie, uh, but JJ was a little bit of a jokester, a little teaser guy, and we got basically three three frames, three frames, which it, it is what uh, amount of it's not even a second of footage, three frames of uh, of <laughs> of movie footage, which basically shows a, a quick quick image of Spock in his EV suit uh, on some kind of a place or planet with a kind of an explosion going off behind him this is probably very much in the in the uh, part of the movie where there were pictures that that got released uh whether i don't know if they were intentionally released or accidentally i think those ones were kind of okay uh, of spock being like lowered down into an area in an ev suit uh so that doesn't tell us again much about the movie at all Except he's going to be somewhere on a planet or a planetoid or something with, with volcanoes going on. People have been thinking this could be like New Vulcan, perhaps, but I don't know. It's how, Who knows? Who knows? But it's getting now a bit ridiculous. I, I, I really, really hope with all the holiday movies coming that J.J. Abrams at least gives us, you know, a very short, maybe a minute-long teaser of some kind uh, for the actual film itself where we get to see a few little bits. And we, of course, know the title, Into, Into Darkness, and... It's uh, that was released a couple of few weeks, maybe about a month ago now, something like that. And then we've got this nothing footage, really. So uh, it, it's crazy, really. It, it really is to me that, that, that it's like this, especially considering we're not talking about a property here. You know, Star Trek being this, you know, franchise been around forever, you know, pushing, getting closer to 50 years and the fact that that they're keeping it so under wraps, I I, I just still can't quite, you know. Pay, you've heard everyone on the web talking about this and discussing this situation, and oh, he doesn't want to, you know, let spoilers out. And I'm like, well, 
let's just put it this way. At some point in time before that movie comes out, he will put out a trailer. Okay. So at, at that point, it, it, you know, he has to decide what he's going to put in the trailer, how much he's, how much information is going to be released, but it's going to happen. I mean, it isn't like he's just going to put the movie out with no advertising. So we're now maybe what, say five two to do seven, eight months, something like that uh, away from the movie coming out in May next year. So it's, it's really past time to me where, I mean, you get sometimes movie trailers, movie teasers more than a year away, a year plus. I think I've seen some up to a couple years before the movie came out, Uh, but that's a bit ridiculous there. But at this point, you know, it's obviously been filmed. It's all the footage in the can. It's done. Uh, you know, just show like even their, you know, I can remember back, uh, when they first put out one of the first teaser trailers for Empire Strikes Back. And what they did with one of those very early teaser trailers is they showed you basically nothing. They talked, they had a guy talking with a little music and they showed some pre-production artwork and things like that. And then there was another trailer where you got quick little flashes and images of each of the characters in different situations and scenes, but it didn't tell you at all anything about the story, in my opinion, until the later trailers eventually came about, you know, kind of what was going on. But those, you can do a trailer without giving, you know, critical plot information and spoilers away. I mean, give me the footage, JJ. I'll I'll whip you up a trailer. You know, I mean, just I just want to see all the characters back in action kind of a little bit, a quick flash of each of them, uh, maybe a shot of the Enterprise or something or a couple of the new sets, something like that, whatever. It doesn't have to be much, but, you know, give us something, please, man. <laughs> it's like, come on, please. All right, enough about that. Uh, we all do have uh, the next Blu-ray set coming for Star Trek The Next Generation coming in December, early December. And uh, I have to say, they're really doing a great job with these. We are getting all kinds of extra little stuff. Uh, I think as the sets go further and and forward, uh, the next one's going to have some uh, more bloopers and outtakes that we haven't seen before. There's a lot of extra interviews on this season two set of, of Blu-rays. I'm a little disappointed. Right now, the last time I looked, I think I'm going to look right now while we're talking. But uh, but they are they were like over this next set was over hundred dollars on Amazon. Now I eventually got the season one set. I think it ended up being what was it around sixty something like that 70 60 to 70 which was a little high but 100 or 110 or whatever this current one is is at on Amazon I'm not sure why I uh, you know was season one was shorter right we had less episodes uh you know but uh I think that was the case or was it oh sad sad Star Trek fan here who doesn't know you know how many episodes for uh each of the uh, Star Trek series off the you know top of his tongue here let me look real quick I will look. Let's see. TNG. I'm looking on my one of my favorite Star Trek websites for information, trekcore.com, which uh, they're having a fundraiser fundraiser right now, too, right at the top of their, their homepage, trekcore.com. And uh, you can donate there. No, yeah, season, uh, season one actually had more episodes than season two. So I don't understand uh, why we are getting a, a much more expensive set with this season two. Maybe they're putting more into it. I don't know why. Uh, it's uh, you know we'll we'll see. Uh, oh wait, there's a little article here. Oh no, that's the Amazon UK site. Sorry, U- UK sites got season two 
set for 47 pounds which gosh that still seems to be lower than if you do even if you do the conversion to US dollars then the, the US set is all right I got to look right now maybe they did lower the US price here we go let's see trek tng2 blue we'll call it something like that that should be enough of a search here oh no it's still at uh, $114.86 for season 2 <laughs> wow okay all right, I gotta get ready. Get get ready to go into the, uh, t the Voyager episode, so I'll I'll stop talking about this. But man, I I hope that price drops uh, before December fourth when the second season comes out, because I uh, big fan that I am. I will not spend one hundred and fifteen dollars on one season uh, of of Star Trek: The Next Generation on Blu-ray. Even sorry, sorry, nope, nope, CBS, nope, not doing it. Uh, it you got to drop it down to about at least eighty, seventy for me. Uh, I'm not going to spend that much. <laughs> All righty then, everyone. We're getting into, getting into, what am I talking, like uh, Hillbilly? Uh, we're going to get into now the Voyager episode, Blink of an Eye, Season 6, Episode uh, 12 of that season. And uh, I'll be playing it now with uh, audio commentary by me as we watch it. So, or as I watch and you listen. All right, here we go with the episode of Blink of an Eye. Not Wink of an Eye, Blink of an Eye from Voyager. That's one planet that never showed up on the multiple choice exam. Its gravimetric readings are similar to that of a collapsed dwarf star. It also resembles a quasar in that it has a high rate of rotation, approximately 58 revolutions per minute. Actually, that would be more like a pulsar, not a quasar. But uh, that's okay, Tuvok. So they come up to this planet that's spinning like really fast, like uh, like almost 60, 60 rotations per minute, fifty-eight. Our impulse engines aren't responding. Then use the auxiliary thrusters. Why don't you use those auxiliary thrusters, like, anyway? So now we're down showing the planet a little bit. It looks like sort of a very kind of primitive civilization. People are wearing, you know, skins and, you know, like... Uh, almost uh, like American Indian looking. And there's a guy here who's like pulling fruit out of a bowl. Now the planet's kind of, you know, some kind of an earthquake almost. And he looks up and there's this sort of bright light in the sky. Must be Voyager, right? Okay. Go through the uh, theme music here by Mr. Goldsmith. This episode, uh, Blink of an Eye, is from, like I said a couple times already, is from Season 6 of Voyager. Uh, episode 12 of that uh, that season. <laughs> it is um, 
production order number 233. It first aired on January 19th in the year 2000. So right after the millennium started. Well, technically people will say 2001 is the start of the new millennium, but we won't get into that. The uh, story for this episode is by one of the regular staff writers, Michael Taylor on Voyager. Teleplay for this one, which is basically the script, Scott Miller and Joe Minoski, and directed by Gabriel Beaumont. Uh, this episode is is a f- very focused on the Doctor. The Doctor has a lot uh, that, that goes on in this episode, uh, and yeah, other characters too. The, the title of this episode, Blink of an Eye, actually was going to be first called Wink of an Eye when they were working on the pre-production and the story for this episode. They kept calling it Wink of an Eye, and then until somebody finally pointed out and realized, hey guys, there was an original Star Trek series, original TOS episode uh, called Wink of an Eye about a group of um, aliens that could move faster through time, moved at a different rate through time than humans did. And in a, in a, in a way, this is similar to that in the fact that these people on this planet have that happen because their planet moves so quickly. All right, now we're back into this. To answer that, we must learn the nature of this god. We must understand the reason for his arrival. You are making an offering to Tahal. I placed the fire fruit on his altar. Then the ground shook. I looked up, and the new one was there. The fire fruit. Where is it? The new one doesn't want Tahal to have the fire fruit. Make an altar for him. As big as Tahal's. The fire fruit is only for the new one. No more for the people. It is his alone. So this is a pretty primitive civilization. They're kind of praying to the stars they're seeing in the sky. Take this today and every day. Accept our offering. Do not harm us. Voyager's uh, shields are flaring. And We're in synchronous orbit, 57,000 kilometers above the planet's equator. Good work, Tom. Now let's see. You're patting the wrong guy on the back. Explain. Our thrusters went offline halfway through our descent, and then we just stopped like we were caught in something. I'm picking up a strong tachyon field along the hull. It could be what's holding us. Seven of nine to the bridge. Go ahead, seven. Ah, it's always those tachyons. There's something you must see. On my way to Cote. I always like how seven of nine gives Janeway this orders. It's a tachyon core. It's produced a subspace particle field which runs between the poles. Voyager's arrival disrupted that field. It looks like the ship's been caught in an eddy of some kind. It's worse than that. Voyager seems to have become the planet's third pole. The imbalances affecting the outer crust. I've picked up indications of high-frequency seismic activity. Caused by our presence? Possibly. Does anybody live down there? The atmosphere is having a scattering effect on our sensors. Is that vegetation? According to sensors, yes. The Tachyon core has created a space-time differential between the planet and the surrounding space. We're watching the seasons change in a matter of seconds. For each second that passes on Voyager, nearly a day goes by on the planet. Scan for inhabitants. Yeah, it's an important point there, obviously. I can't isolate individual life forms. It'll take time to correct for the space-time differential. 
A couple of hundred years, maybe? If our orbit starts to decay, Voyager will begin to feel the effects of the differential and will begin aging hundreds of times faster than we would in normal space. Unless we want to live our lives in the blink of an eye, I suggest we find a way out of here. Ah, uh, see, they get the title of the episode in there. I like it when they do that. So, yeah, so they're, they're because uh, one second the matter -antimatter reaction is a day is on the active, planet. But this field we're stuck in is raising hell with the nacelles. Until we break orbit, warp drive is offline. And without warp drive, we'll never leave orbit. It does pose a bit of a problem, doesn't it? Maybe the key is to learn more about this planet in case we're missing something. The sensors aren't having an easy time of it either. Then let's modify a class 5 probe for low orbit. See what we can pick up. Configure the program to scan along all subspace bands and set it for visual images every 10 milliseconds. Snapshots. Why do I get the feeling you're not just interested in tachyon fields? This could be the greatest anthropological find of my career. If there's an intelligent species down there, we'll be able to track their development, not just for days or weeks, but for centuries. Watch them discover new and better ways of beating each other over the head. Yeah, so like it necessarily it follow the Klingon model. Means a, like a hundred years model? on the planet would be about ten and a half hours on Voyager. Hours. So we might miss the rise and fall of a civilization. So we'll watch the next one. So now we're seeing the planet again and, and they've they've made some advances. Now it looks more like probably like medieval times, approximately. Uh, there's fires. There's there's more gear and equipment and tools. There's like sort of a stonework and castles in the background. I'm not as young as I used to be. More heat. Yes, protector. There are grave matters of state here that cannot be delayed. Protector, what exactly are you doing? I'm sending him a letter. Him? S -s sending who a letter? The ground shaker. The light bringer. Had you been more attentive to my lessons when you were a boy, you would not be so gullible as a man. On the contrary, you taught me well. Our ignorant ancestors believed every star was a deity. You taught me how foolish that was. Superstition, you called it. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah, so you can see they're starting to have some doubts about the uh, the light in Hungry? the sky, as they call it, Lights. the light bringer. Bad fortune to eat the fire fruit. According to whom? Our ancestors? Don't tell me you believe that old superstition. Perhaps we shouldn't completely ignore the old beliefs, no matter how strange they may seem today. Ground shaker. Ground shaker. Isn't it possible the name was not given arbitrarily? That this star is indeed responsible for knocking down our walls and making us stumble as we walk? Oh, yes, I heard about that, my condolences. You heard what? Well, that you stumbled in front of several important people uh, uh, during the last ground shake. Uh, very embarrassing, I'm sure. I did nothing of the sort. Well, my... Uh, uh, my hearing is not as good as it used to be, nor my memory either. Now, uh, uh, what were we talking about? This guy kind of looks to we me like he looks like ancient uh, almost like Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's in a robe, now, I don't believe for gray a hair, little beard. Then what are they? The, uh, this a great 
mystery to which there is no answer. I believe the sky is full of people, just like ourselves. <laughs> oh, nonsense. Prove me wrong. I say each star encompasses a city, and the Ground Shaker rules one of these cities, a fellow protector. If I'm correct, then he'll listen to me. One protector to another. Your pen. This uh, this guy's name, this protector, is his um, actor is Obi Ndufu. So his first name is uh, Obi. <laughs> Although he's not the old guy here, he's the younger one. I, Kelamane, Kelamane. son of Kelamane, ruler of the good people of the land below you, demand that you stop with Odoond. Would hope. Better, much better. Would hope that you might consider putting an end to whatever it is you're doing that shakes our ground. If this causes you inconvenience, I'm willing to offer a recompense. Interesting thing here is when this, do you see the writing on this paper? It's just in regular English. It's, it's not in strange characters or anything like that. I find that a little odd because most of the time when they show written language from an alien race on, on Star Trek, it, even though they may speak English through universal translators and that, typically the, the characters or the right, written language is all some weird looking hieroglyphics. You know, it doesn't, um, it doesn't look like English. And in this case it does. So I don't know. I thought that was a little bit odd to me. Now he's taking this, this little message scroll that they wrote and putting it in this hot air balloon, this little balloon and releasing it into the, uh, to the sky. Hoping, obviously, to uh, to get a message to the Lightbringer up there. And now we've got a shot of the, the pro of Voyager launched and examining the planet. The no doubt about it. There's a city down there. Elevated levels of carbon monoxide, ammonium. That's progress, all right. They've developed internal combustion technology since the last few scans. Look at those radio lines. It looks like a system of roads. Well, one thing hasn't changed. The geological disturbances that Voyager seems to be causing. The probe recorded half a dozen each month. Still no way to tell how severe they are. Look at the amount of iron being used in that city. That's ten times what you'd expect to see in a culture at this stage of development. Do you think they're using it to support their buildings? If you lived on a planet that wouldn't stop shaking, you might be doing the same thing. If they've reached this stage of industrial development, they must be observing us. The probe's impulse thrusters are starting to fail. At its present altitude, it's been operating for over 200 years. Its orbit is becoming decayed. Initiate self-destruct. It disintegrated in the upper thermosphere. If they saw anything, it just looked like a shooting star. Okay, so now we're back to the planet. Uh, things have advanced quite a bit more. We've got a pretty, pretty much a civilization about, I guess, on par with our own at this stage. And this guy's looking through a telescope. He's actually he looks like he can see a silhouette of Voyager. Response to our transmission. Nothing. No visual change either. Surprised? Send it again. The entire sequence? How about just the prime numbers? You're tired. So are you. The prime numbers 
and the elemental constants. Then we'll stop. An acceptable compromise. It's not as if they're going anywhere. If they even exist in the first place. Do you doubt that? I doubt everything. So you weren't one of those children that had the entire series of Skyship friends? Mm -hmm. Actually, I had them all, even the duplicates. You couldn't walk into my home without tripping over a friend or two. Not in our home. My grandfather wouldn't allow it. He told us that the Skyship was a palace where an evil protector lived. You said that bad children were sent there to be punished. So they can't seem to, they can observe point, Voyager, but they can't seem to like to contact it. Anything. Can't seem to send a probe up yet or anything like that. Or not. Can you boost the signal? So this is probably more about, at maximum. say maybe 50 to 100 years ago in our kind of technology. If there is somebody up there, they don't like us very much. Any beings capable of building that skyship could have destroyed our world long ago. They're not causing the tremors on purpose. That's a pretty logical uh, guess and assumption. You know, they truly believe that. Why did you join this project? The idea that any intelligence that could remember? they could make it Even from another that. world to ours that would be I hope so you know, not somebody that just came here to blow us apart. Hope. Unlike a lot of big sci fi Hollywood movies <laughs> where they want to just if destroy our planet. Mathematics, perhaps we should try a more personal approach. Here. Say hello. How could they possibly speak our language? There's only one way to find out. Well, you'd be surprised. What should I say? <laughs> hello, oh, Skyship. Glad to meet you. <laughs> Where are you from? Please stop shaking our planet. Take me to your leader. Yeah, he's got a microphone here and... Uh... They've got uh, an ultra high frequency signal is being transmitted from the surface. The modulation is unfamiliar. It's super fast, people. Come on, any signal from slow the it down. Would be accelerated when it reached our time frame. The frequency would be thousands of times higher than normal. I'll attempt to slow it down. Keep slowing again. Amplitude modulation, it's a radio transmission. It's a numerical sequence. Prime numbers. They're sending a list of prime numbers. Followed by a sequence of mathematical constants. And what appears to be a vocal modulation. Slow it down again. A little more. Good friends in the skyship. I call you that, hoping at least you're not enemies. There's nothing on our world that resembles your technology. So we assume you came here from a nearby planet or a distant star. Our ancient mythology describes your arrival centuries ago, coinciding with the tremors that continually shake our planet and destroy so many of our accomplishments. I hope that was never your intention, but the result is the same. Respond if you can, or if you wish, come down from your skyship and visit us. 
Well, we've got to let them know we're not doing it on purpose. So they are uh, listening in the briefing the room here. The still applies. This transmission was made with primitive radio technology. They are not a warp-capable civilization. To hell with a prime directive. That man deserves an answer. Don't forget the temporal differential. That man has been dead for a long time. Nearly a century by now. Okay, so we send a message to his great-grandchildren. I'll gladly do the honors. Ancient mythology. That means we've already insinuated ourselves into their culture. Why not take the next step? First contact with the pre-warp society. We've already made first contact. They know we're up here. Well, they've known for hundreds of years. Which means our presence has been tempered by time. We've gradually become part of their mythos. Meeting us could throw that belief system into chaos. But we're destroying their planet. You heard him. A first contact, face to face, might give us information we could use to leave orbit. That would stop the damage. It's worth the risk. Uh, they move a lot we faster. We don't even know if an away team could survive the transition to their time frame. Doctor, correct me if I'm wrong. But the physiological stress could be fatal. For one of you, perhaps. But not for me. My hollow matrix would be unaffected. Aha! Uh -huh. I guess that's a volunteer you have there. Yeah. You'd be going only as an observer. You are not to make contact. I localize the source of the transmission to a subcontinent in the southern hemisphere. The central protectorate. How do you know that? I've been looking at the data for master metrics. Seven's picked up a few of their local transmissions. I can tell you the names of all 26 states on the planet. And all the best places to eat? Just about. <laughs> so is this central protectorate a good place to send the doctor? <sighs> Probably. Judging from the transmissions, they seem to have a tolerant society. Well, just to be on the safe side, I'll find him an isolated spot. I'm but each you time you scan, it would be changing, wouldn't it? It wouldn't it be changing like, you know, one second uh, is is three years, so ten seconds later is 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 thirty years, right? So that'll be almost two days in their time frame. Gather whatever data you can: seismic charts, meteorological records, anything that might give us a clue about how to break orbit. Understood. This will speed up the scanning rate of your program. Allow you to make the transition. See you soon. Energizing. One, two, three. Confinement beam is destabilizing. It's the temporal field. We'll have to recalibrate. Every second he's down there, he's in danger of being discovered. Locking on again. We've lost him. Uh-oh. I'm scanning within a 100-kilometer radius of where we sent him. Nothing. He could have moved across the continent by now. Or to the other side of the planet. Increasing radius to 1,000 kilometers. Chakotay to 7 of 9. Go ahead, Commander. Have you picked up any information regarding opera houses or concert halls? The cultural center of the state runs along the shore of the eastern lake. Got him. Balana, stand by for the coordinates. 
Acknowledged. I've reinitialized the confinement beam. So I guess it's Chakotay holding. thought he'd be taking in a, a play or a show or something. <laughs> Captain! Lieutenant! Oh, I thought I'd never see you again. Are you all right? I've had a few close calls over the years, but all in all... Years? It's been over three. But at least I knew you hadn't left me behind. All I had to do was look up, and there you were, the brightest star in the sky. Well, what do they know about us? Only that we arrived here... He's wearing different clothes. He's got a little forehead thing that looks like the aliens. pure speculation. And let me tell you, they like nothing better than to speculate about Voyager. <laughs> Darek would go on and on. Skyship this, skyship that. Darek? The owner of the building I lived in, until the war started. There was a war? Oh. The neighboring state decided to lob a few cannon shells at us. Our tactical air command responded, and a new treaty was signed in a matter of weeks, but not before my apartment was in ruin. Well, so they have aviation technology? They're hardly savages, Captain. In fact, they're making great strides technologically, thanks in part to Voyager. What do you mean? From the moment our ship arrived in the sky, they've been trying to make contact. Our presence has encouraged invention, religion, science, art, even children's toys. They're all variations on a single theme, Voyager. Marisa even composed an aria based on the skyship. I sang the lyric. Marisa? She was my... My, my, uh, friend. Roommate. Roommate. <laughs> Years is a long time, Captain. One needs companionship. You'll get no argument from me. Except the whole don't make contact with them, she but said. did you learn but... anything that might help us break orbit? It's all in here. Meteorological records for the last 300 years, I've committed them all to memory. Some are inaccurate almanacs, but the more recent ones include detailed seismic analyses. Get that information to Astrometrics. See if you can find any pattern to the quakes. Might help us figure a way out of here. See you in sickbay. I'll download the data from your program and we'll do a little cosmetic surgery too. Lieutenant? Unless you prefer looking like that. Of course, I completely forgot. I must tell you, if some of the people on the planet had their way, those weapons would be pointed at Voyager. Luckily, the ship is still out of range for now. I guess I can't Not for very long, probably, considering their tech. Between the various states. Who can get to the starship first with a rocket? Are we talking about a capsule with an astronaut or a missile with a warhead? I can't answer that. But at their present rate of development, we won't have to wait very long to find out. How does this sound? The weird planet where time moved very fast and so did the people who lived there. By Naomi Wildman. That's when I'm calling my report for astronomy class. Neelix said I should choose a planet to write about. So I picked this one. Your title is verbose. I suggest you try to condense it. The weird planet. Better, but it lacks precision. The weird planet displaced in time. Perfect. <laughs> Seven of nine to the bridge. I'm transmitting my calculations directly to the helm. Acknowledged. What's happening? The doctor brought back data regarding the planet's graviton field. We're using it to realign our thrusters. That'll be great for my report. 
All hands, this is the captain. Secure your stations and prepare to break orbit. Brace yourself. Our altitude is increasing. 50 meters. 60. Seven of nine to the bridge. Our attempt to leave orbit is increasing with seismic activity. Oh, that's bad. We must abort. Agreed. Is the planet okay? Minimal damage along the equatorial coastline. Nothing serious. Seven, do you think we'll ever be able to leave? Eventually. I hope so. I need a way to end my report. And now there's, there's a probe with some astronauts, I guess you call them, coming up from the planet towards Voyager. Second stage propellants depleted. Final stage, ready. Ready to ignite final stage propellants. One of the guys in the capsule is uh, Daniel Day Kim, who was on Voyager, the actor. What was that? There's nothing wrong with the transponder. Orbital one to launch control. We're not receiving your orders. Everything else is working perfectly. See, now that they've left the field of the planet, the final stage. they are outside, I think, the speeded mission. up nature of the planet. Final stage propellants depleted. Initiate deceleration thrusters. So they're starting to approach Voyager a little closer. A little closer. Watch your pitch angle. Correcting. Distance check. We're in rendezvous range. Rendezvous sequence. Locked in. Moving into final position. Distance check. We're within scanning range. Let's take a look. The scans won't penetrate their hull. I guess we'll have to go inside. We're not authorized to do that. Our orders were to learn as much as possible about the Skyship. That's my intention. I saw something that looks like a transfer port. It might be a place we can dock. Move in closer. Really? Just walk right into the ship? You know, maybe a transmission would be a good idea. Um, Wait, wait. Are you all right? A little disoriented. Let's keep going. So somehow they managed to uh, get aboard Voyager undetected? How can that be? coming out into a corridor area. Oh, now I remember this. They didn't leave really their their the way their planet operates. Now when they I come aboard Voyager, everything's super slow. They're all just standing in place basically. So they're still operating under the same speed as the rest of their planet, their and their people. 
but everyone basically here they they pulled up came up in engineering and Balan is just standing there but not moving appearing to not move at least it might be some sort of metabolic stasis again this is very much like, like wink of an eye from TOS where one alien group right. we shouldn't be here we were never meant to be here try and stay calm we've seen enough please we have to leave you're the best pilot we have that's why you're on this mission this is no different than flying your favorite oh, it's different I can't argue with that it's really Another different few minutes, then we'll go back Yeah, so again, everyone on Voyager is basically this looks like their command center. appears to be stasis. They they found a kind of a map of Voyager, and quickly, immediately, she knew that the top of the ship was where the bridge was. I'm surprised they're not really trying to download anything. Oh, here's Janeway sitting on the bridge. Neelix is pouring coffee, almost like frozen in in mid pour. The you know this is not metabolic stasis. Could the laws of physics be different here? Maybe they're just a little slower. Really slower. <gasps> What's wrong? <laughs> now the two of them basically passed out on the bridge. Uh, now I remember because once they're Intruder there. Alert. Security team to deck one. Captain, I'm picking up a ship at docking port one. It just appeared there. Bridge to sick bay, medical emergency. Yeah, so they basically uh, slowly adjusted the to their to our time, time. was a little rough for them. I'm afraid his colleague didn't make it. How is he? Recovering. Lucky for him, I'm as good as his family doctor. After three years of poring over their medical journals, I know as much about their physiology as I do yours. Yeah, so that's what happens. Once they were aboard Voyager long enough, they, it slowly adjusted them to their time rate there. Where's Tarina? Oh. She didn't survive the transition. I'm very sorry. Transition? To your time frame? You understand what's happened to you? I'm beginning to. Voyager exists in the same space-time as the rest of the galaxy. Your planet is different. So you really haven't been watching us for centuries? Actually, we just got here. And we're hoping you can help us find a way to leave. So if what you're saying is true, everyone I know, everyone I knew, is gone. That's correct. Well, that's a bummer, isn't it? I'm an accomplished <laughs> pilot. That's why they chose me for this mission. I don't have the courage of the others. They made a mistake choosing me. Oh, I have to disagree. For someone whose life has just been turned upside down, I think you're doing fine. When I was a young child, the toys hanging above my crib depicted the sky ship. It's the first thing I ever remember seeing, even before my mother's face. And now I'm the only one that knows its name. Voyager. suppose it'll be the last thing I see as well. well. It's up to you. I have no intention of keeping you here against your will. The doctor spent some time on your planet collecting data that we hoped would help us find a way to leave orbit. 
We need you to assist us in interpreting that information. However, the longer you stay on board, the more difficult it will be for you to go home. Your culture is changing every second you're here. By the time you go back, you might find it more alien than ours. Well, I could always go with you, maybe, you star know. Star of the night, but star of the day, come to take my tears away. Make my life always bright. It's a child's prayer. To Voyager? Yes. I hope you're not disappointed. How often does your very first dream come true? Huh. Of course I'll help you. The information I brought back is in Voyager's database. Seven of Nine has been trying to make sense of it. She'll welcome your assistance. Mountain or lakeside? Mountain, of course. Don't tell me you're a lakeside supporter. You really were on the surface. How are they doing this season? Not good. Five wins, 12 losses. I don't believe it. Who's guarding for them? Torellius. Any relation to the Torellius? His grandson. I saw the original defend for Mountain in the playoffs against Red River. That was before I was born. He would have gone into voluntary exile after a 5-12 season. <laughs> like seeing the doctor this get fired up over of sports. We were but... far more advanced than this when I left. I can help you correct it. Very well. Let's start with the geological data. The seismic detectors back then were off by a variance of 3.8. A simple conversion will compensate for that. Does every planet look like ours? None that I've seen. Your world appears to be unique. If we're so out of step with everything else, we'll never be able to explore space the way you have. There are highly adaptable species. Your scientists will find a way to compensate for the temporal differential. They better do it before you leave. Without the skyship up above them, my people might lose interest in progress. There wouldn't be anything left to reach for. Perhaps they'll miss Voyager so much they'll do everything they can to follow us. Maybe so. Yeah, I would think that that would be a good incentive, you know, to check out what, where did implosion. where did the skyship go? The world is experimenting with warp technology. Sensors detected an early test. Another test, six weeks later. And a third, more controlled each time. They're learning quickly. Too learning quickly. a little, what yeah, a little bit too Unknown. much. But our shields are down to 82%. That's not good. That's the only thing 64%. basically keeping them in place, I, I think, or helping it. them. There's nothing on sensors. Janeway to 7 of 9. Go ahead, Captain. Are you picking up anything in astrometrics? The inhabitants appear to have developed antimatter torpedo technology. Oh. They were under attack. That's not good. Yeah, so now it's like, okay, time to destroy God in the sky. Captain, I apologize for this attack. They have no right. Unfortunately, they've got every right. Let me talk to them. We've already tried to heal them. It doesn't look like they're able to receive our transmissions. They still don't know about the time differential. A logical assumption. Shields down to 34%. The torpedoes are being fired at three-day intervals. They're making refinements each time, increasing the detonation yield. Captain, isn't it time we return fire? We've done enough damage to these people over the last thousand years. Mm, 
You've got to go back. It's the only way. Make them understand who we are. You have the specifications of this ship. Your scientists might be able to use them to help free us. At the very least, get them to hold their fire. Captain, the transporters are offline. Is his vessel still intact? The docking port hasn't been hit yet. Good luck. This will accelerate your metabolic functions, help you make the transition. Thank you for everything, Doctor. It was a pleasure to treat a fellow citizen. Would you do me a favor? Certainly. Find out what happened to a boy named Jason Tabriz. He lived in the Central Protectorate. Jason? An unusual name. Yes. He was my... son. But you're a hologram. It's a long story. <laughs> He's dead by now. But perhaps you could discover what happened to him. Maybe he had children or grandchildren. You're a hologram who had a son, okay. How did that work out? Uh, how does that work, anyway? Orbital one to launch control. Please respond. Launch control, please respond. Who is this? Pilot first rank, Katana Retz. Clear this channel or I'm going to report you to the command center. Is this launch control? I'm the weather coordinator for station 004. You're in violation of transmission regulations. Please, listen to me. I'm trying to reach launch control. Let me guess, you finally decided to come home. You're Katana Retz? Katana Retz, yes. Now please transfer me to launch control. Launch control became the tactical command center 50 years ago. You're dead. I've been inside the skyship. Then it's a good thing you decided to leave. They're about to shoot it down. I've got to speak with them. Tactical command frequencies are classified. Now get off this channel. If you've ever wanted to report more than the weather, now is your chance. Tell them to clear Central Lake of all traffic. Orbital One is coming in for a landing. Shields at 23%. 17%. Shields are down. Yeah, so they're getting blasted pretty bad here. Device. What do they think of next? Damage reports coming in. Imminent hull breaches on decks 8, 9, and 10. Life support is failing. Our astronaut should have made it by now. Based on his descent velocity, he landed about 10 minutes ago. That's a year and a half. Then he must have failed. I'm picking up another launch, two massive energy signatures. Try cobalt devices? Unknown. Brace yourselves. We're in some kind of tractor beam. Captain, if I alternate thrusters, I might be able to break us free. No. Let's give our friends the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, so two ships came up beside Voyager and are basically uh, grabbed onto it with a tractor beam. Seem to be pulling it up from from the planet and from the orbit they were in. We've broken orbit. Try hailing them. It's good to see you all again. Looks like somebody down there listened to you. I'm sorry it took so long. And now we can make first contact the proper way. Unfortunately, that won't be possible. A temporal compensator. It allows me to exist in your time frame without actually leaving my own, but uh, only for a few minutes. I'm afraid it'll be a while before my people actually join the rest of the galaxy. Captain, 
We will be able to bring the warp drive back online in approximately two hours. Very good. Thank you. I feel like I'm saying goodbye to an old friend. So he was able to beam over to Voyager there for a minute and say goodbye. And now we're seeing a scene back on the planet uh, with the the civilization has become more advanced. And uh, this Daniel Day Kim character, Kotana uh, Retz, uh, is old looking up at the sky. And he watches the uh, Voyager star there kind of wink out, basically indicating that they're gone now. Although I, it seems to me if he was at that age, that would have already happened, you know, right? I know they're slower up there, but I guess if he once he went back down to the planet, what did he say? The, the warp would take a couple of hours, so whatever that would work out to be. Anyway, let's turn that down, <laughs> turn down the music. So there you go. There's this episode, uh, Blink of an Eye. Not Wink of an Eye, Blink of an Eye. Uh, Voyager episode couple other little things about it this is uh there's in the book star trek 101 terry uh, erdman they uh and paul block list this as one of the 10 essential episodes from star trek voyager i don't know if i'd go that far i think this is a good episode it's interesting uh, but I, I think we've seen this kind of story before a little bit uh you know obviously in the tos episode and the other thing that i that comes to mind that the other big episode to me that this is very similar to in a way is inner light uh from tng with picard and and being on that planet and and going through a whole lifetime well he wasn't really there his mind was there you know or whatever but uh he lived you know a lifetime there and similar kinds of ideas and things going on for some reason when i was first watching this again I had thought that, that the doctor was on the planet much longer and they showed some of that. And I, I couldn't remember, you know, during his time there, I, I, I didn't realize it, they never showed really his time there or what happened. He just kind of talked about it. But anyway, that's uh, this episode uh, of Voyager. I'm going to take a short break and we'll come back and wrap up today's podcast. Hey, Rico, it's Rick Moyer from Aberdeen. Moyer777 from the forums, and you are covering, or did cover, one of the coolest Voyager episodes ever, Blink of an Eye. Love this episode for a lot of different reasons. Not only is it really cool science fiction at its best, but we get to see so many different parts of the planet evolving and so many civilizations coming up and down. And, and the coolest part, though, I think, is when they fly the rocket ship from the planet up to Voyager, the skyship. What a cool thing, you know, and all the, the time is off and everything, and it's just really cool. I can watch this particular episode over and over and over. I thought the special effects were cool on it, but, but it was just really neat to see Voyager be the, the skyship that caused all the tremors and everything, and then just to see them interact with the people was just fantastic great episode i give it a voyager five stars that's how much i liked it thanks for reviewing it rico you're awesome and i hope you continue on with this great podcast treks and sci-fi rocks well thanks very much rick for your comments about this episode of voyager blink of an eye yeah it's a, it's a good one it's real interesting and, and it's it's different i think it's different than what they've Voyager's done before, even though I find it pretty similar to a few other episodes like I mentioned. Uh, 
uh, from previous uh, other treks out there. But uh, yeah, it's a good episode of Voyager and uh, interesting one to cover. So thanks for your comments. Uh, uh, next uh, week, you are going to get a guest uh, shot uh, or guest cast, guest shot. Jedi Jeff, who just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Jeff. We had a lot of birthdays in the last month or so on the forum. He's going to cover uh, a series, uh, animated series, is uh, called Battle of the Planets. Uh, and that should be very cool. I'm looking forward to that. It's not something I'm real familiar with, so that's going to be a very cool show next week. Uh, on the 28th of October, I'll be back kind of with a Halloween cast. And uh, like I said, I think previously, I've been trying to decide what to cover, and I, I picked, decided to cover a movie that uh, I really enjoy and is kind of a classic. Uh, I'm going to cover um, in the uh, movie An American Werewolf in London, which is a cool movie. A lot of fun. Haven't seen it in a while, so it's going to be good to revisit that and watch it and, and cover that for our kind of spooky Halloween episode. And then on the 4th of uh, November, which is as far as the, the schedule goes out right now, uh, we're going to have Brian and Al here with a guest cast and, and can continue their look at the Alien quote-unquote franchise with a look at the most recent uh, entry in this, even though it's not really truly to me an Alien kind of movie, but it is in that and they're going to cover it a lot more, so I shouldn't say anymore. Anyway, they're going to cover Prometheus, which just came out this past summer and is now out on, I believe, on DVD and every every uh, little wherever you can, you know, watch it, you know, pay per views and and things like that. So they're going to cover Prometheus on the fourth of November. So uh, that's what's coming up on Treks and Sci-Fi. Thanks everyone so much for listening uh, this week and every week. Uh, please again join the forum if you want to treksf at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Uh, donations again welcome, and also reviews on iTunes are great. And join our Facebook group. We'd love to have some more people over there. We always have a lot of fun stuff going on there too. Just search for the group Treks and Sci-Fi. All right, that's it. I'm out of here, and everyone have a great uh, week, couple of weeks, and I'll talk to you again in two next week. Jedi Jeff with Battle of the Planets. Until then, take care, everyone. Bye bye. This has been a Rick Dosti podcast production.